Welcome to You Need a Coach Bitch with Chris Hale. I'm your host, Chris Hale. I'm a certified life coach that helps queer creatives take their passion, turn it into a purpose, and get paid. If you're looking to make an impact on the world with your work by dismantling internalized oppressive thought systems, by using coaching, spirituality, and a lot of cursing, you are in the right place. So let's get to work. Hey, bitches. So a couple of weeks ago, we talked about creating belonging by first creating that sense of belonging within ourselves. And this week, I want to dive a little deeper into three things that I teach my clients that help them to do this. They're also really important tools if you are a coach or a consultant, because without them, you're not really working with your clients from the cleanest possible place. So the first thing is cultivating genuine curiosity to create awareness. And I've spoken about this before. The way that we reflect on what is going on with us is often coming from a place of judgment. And I think it's easiest to first look at this from the perspective of the practitioner, as that is the space that like I'm most able to access it for myself, like I'm most able to like get out of judgment with a client, right? So like when I'm working with a client, I'm showing up completely blank. I have done the work to clear up my mind of any assumptions or judgments that I have about them. And in doing so, when they start telling me their story, I can just listen for understanding. If I just go with the premise that I don't know anything about them or what is best for them, then I need to ask a lot of questions for comprehension. This immediately drops me into that genuine curiosity, and I get excited to hear their story from their perspective. If I don't have a reference from my own life, that's even better because I can ask for more detail. And I'm, I'm working from the desire to have the capacity to understand their lived experience. And I think this is something that we need to do like as coaches all the time, right? We need to like really identify like where we're at as human beings, right? Our own identities, our own bias, the way that we view the world and see how that might be impacting my ability to understand the lived experience of the person in front of me. So this is just a handy thing to think about when you're working with people. And then when we think about ourselves, the problem with with that, with when it comes to us, is that we think we already know all about our lived experience. We have made up stories about the events and circumstances of our lives that we just believe are completely facts. So that's one of the first things I do with a client, help them separate the facts from the story they created around it. I think the first place that I heard this was in A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle. And it's one of the main tools that I use with my dancers, especially when they started to tell stories about what was possible for them. It's probably one of the most useful and impactful exercises that can be done, whether with a client or on your own. An example of this came up for me recently, and I got coached on it. I have this story that I'm always late to the game, and this dates back to being like maybe 12 or so, maybe 13, and I wanted to audition for um, the Mickey Mouse Club show that was on Disney. And by the time I had told my mom about it and she sort of did the research, I'd missed the audition. And that was like one of the last auditions they had. And just for a reference, some of the people that were cast from that audition, um, Brittany, 
Justin, Christina, Ryan Gosling. Um, And if you don't know the first three by their first names, I don't know why you're here. (laughs) Just kidding. Um, But anyway, like I tell myself this story about that, right? That if I had made that audition, I obviously would have been cast and my life would be entirely different now. And with this story as one of my like bedrock narratives that create my identity, I then find other evidence to support my always being late. I always just missing things. So like working at SoulCycle, like I became a SoulCycle instructor when SoulCycle was quote unquote in its height, right? Um, and so like the story there is like they they were all already oversaturated with instructors and they were like expanding super fast. Right. And my ability to become like a superstar soul instructor was way less likely. Like I just missed the boat. So when I'm believing this like original story, right, from from like 12, 13 year old me that that Chris was late for the bo- the boat. And then I, I find evidence for it with, you know, 34 year old Chris that they were late for the boat. Um, it has me starting to believe this story even more deeply that I'm a slow adopter and that that's a problem somehow. And my coach, with like all the loving curiosity in the world, helped me change that story. She did not take my identity that I'd created for myself as an absolute truth or even see it as a problem. She helped me see that it could actually be an asset right? So if I wanted to believe that I'm a slow adopter, if that's like a a belief that is like hard for me to shake, okay, let's lean into it. What does that mean? So she helped me see that I take time to verify things, that I had to really be sure about soul before I decided to try it. And I had to be even more sold on it before I decided to audition to be an instructor. This means that when I put my name behind something, that I am confident in its value. I needed more information to really like verify this thing for myself. So with Soul, like I had been telling a friend that I wanted to find a way to move more. And she was like, you should try Soul Cycle. It's like dancing on a bike. And I was like, "Mm, I don't know about cycling. And then I read um, a Time Magazine article on Soul Cycle, and then one of my friends was actually teaching her last community ride um, as her from her Soul Cycle training, and I saw it on Facebook, and I was like, okay, this is number three. I feel like the universe is sending me a sign, and why don't I try this thing? Right, so I'd, I'd, it had been in my on my radar, and I just needed more information. So that by the time I went to do it, I was like, "Oh yeah, this thing is great," and I kept doing it, and I was like able to say, "Like, okay, this is something that I think is really valuable." The other thing that my coach helped me see, though, is that I have been slow to adopt myself. I have been slow on adopting that I have an ability to create value in the world. And that's a place where maybe it's time for me to speed that up, right? So maybe I'm a slow adopter to other things, but maybe I can speed up the rate at which I find evidence for myself, 
that I am someone who can create value for other people. And here's the thing. The reason I could not get there on my own was that I was not being curious about the story that I was telling myself, right? If we go back through the story, what are the facts? First, let's pick one thing to focus on. So let's go with Soul Cycle. The fact is, I started writing in 2013. I started teaching that December, and I left the company in April of 2015. That's kind of it, right? We can't, we can't agree that like 2013 to 2015 was the height. What does the height even mean? How are we judging that, right? Like I'd have to first decide what the criteria are for it being the height of Soul Cycle. So is it the number of sold art classes or like the number of studios in the world? Are we going based on the money it was bringing in, right? Or like how the culture was? So there's too many ways to measure that that we won't all agree on. And there's probably some people that think the height was like in its early days when there's only like two studios because that's when it was still like pure or like still more focused on its original mission, right? But it was still like popular enough to like be the talk of the town. So when I explore other possible stories, it makes mine about me feel less true because I don't have anything concrete to base it off of. So you can try this on yourself. Like think of a story that you've been telling yourself. How much of it is actually factual? You'd be surprised how little is. Once I've gone through all of that, though, like in looking at what are the facts and what is it that I'm making up about it, it makes it a bit easier to entertain the idea that my discernment and the time it takes me to build belief in something is actually an asset. The next step for my clients or myself is the concept of radical self-acceptance. So I first heard the term radical acceptance from my therapist, and he recommended a book with that title by Tara Branch, and I'll link that in the show notes. But basically, radical acceptance is about completely accepting whatever is. The way I teach it to my clients is that it does not do us any good to argue with reality because we will always lose. So if we look at like a very real circumstance for all of us, it's like the pandemic. So we're still living in it. It's still going on although there are people who think it's over, right? So there are so many aspects of it that we have no control over. We have to accept that because there is no benefit to not. We have to accept what our governments do and don't do. We have to accept that some of our loved ones will decide to handle it differently than we would. When we accept the reality of what is, then we have the ability to choose what we want to do and how we want to show up. So if you're vaccinated and a loved one is not, okay, you don't have to fight with that. It's just a reality. You don't have to spend precious time on spinning in anger and judgment from telling yourself that they should be and that they're being irresponsible. You can just choose not to be around them. That is what you have control over. Now, might that be sad for you? Sure. I'm not minimizing that. But it is way more useful for you to have your own back set boundaries, and then process the sadness of not getting to see them than resisting the fact that they have chosen a path that you wish they hadn't. It's choosing intentional sadness over unnecessary suffering. 
So when we turn that lens of radical acceptance onto ourselves, we get to embrace every part of us. The good, the bad, the ugly, the things that make us cringe, and the things that make us want to sing out loud about how fucking awesome we are. But this can be especially hard for us Q plus folks because we have spent so much time in self-loathing around the parts of us that do not fit the mold of whatever identities others have projected onto us. So we might need to spend a good amount of time practicing radical self-acceptance and having our own back before we can move into radical self-love. And the thing is, these are not destinations, right? They're a continual practice. We will have moments um, where we still reject ourselves, where you do not have your own back. But as we build the skill of radical self-acceptance, we are even able to embrace those times. We will be able to have the awareness that we are not showing up for ourselves. Or we are believing one of the many awful things that our brain is telling us. That's just part of the human experience. And this is exactly what ushers us into radical self-love. I think of radical self-love as unconditional love for ourselves. And most of us do not know how to love unconditionally because this was never modeled for us. Love was withheld from us because we did not meet our parents and the world's expectations of us to be straight and cis and to perform those roles in a specific way. The way I like to define unconditional love is that me loving you is not dependent on you making me happy, right? So I'm not placing the condition of my happiness on my love. And the reason I define it this way is because it's not actually anyone else's job to make me happy. All of my emotions are an inside job. They are all crafted with my thoughts and perceptions. Someone else's actions are not what create loving feelings. It is what I choose to make those actions mean that does. And here's the thing. I will choose to not be happy with people in my life from time to time, but that does not mean that I have to stop loving them. That also means I don't always have to be happy with myself in order for me to love myself. And that is the thing us perfectionists have a hard time with. I know for me that like I was using all the self-help work to try and get to this transcendent, perfected place so that I could finally love myself because I was not meeting my mind or the world's expectations of me. And if I wasn't, then I was not lovable. And this definitely rolls over into our creations. It can be hard to accept that we will not always be creating our very best work. It will be hard to accept that growth is not this linear upward climb where we will be consistently outdoing ourselves every time. For my entrepreneurs, that might look like having the expectation that your next launch will outperform the one before it. Because if it does, then that's going to be the proof for you that you're making progress. But again, progress is not linear. Your next launch could be a flop, and the one after that, you could 10 times what you did the last time. But only if you don't give up, only if you don't stop. In life, we grow and plateau so much. But we can't ever really go back because we can't unlearn all the amazing things we've already absorbed into ourselves. So those are the three tools or concepts that I work with, with my clients, and you can start practicing them today. The key is repetition. 
And the thing that you're practicing is the relationship you want to have with yourself. So looking at your thoughts, questioning them, seeing what they are creating for you, lovingly thanking your asshole brain for its like faux safety that it thinks it's creating, accepting yourself fully for all the things that you are and loving the fuck out of you every day, even when you don't like you. Have an amazing week, besties. We'll talk soon. If you are loving what you're hearing here on You Need a Coach Bitch, please subscribe, like, and share with your friends. And if you want more information on how you can work with me one-on-one, go to theonlychrishale.com or you can find me on Instagram at theonlychrishale.com.